I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty Road listeners. Welcome to another episode. I am so thrilled to have Michelle Vela with us today, all the way from Toronto. You guys are in for a treat. And one of the reasons I reached out to Michelle to see if she would hang out with us today is her story of becoming a full-time artist at 50 was one that inspired me and I'm sure is going to inspire you. And we're going to crack into that history and how she got started right now. Michelle, welcome. Oh, thanks, Ned. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. And you're adding to our International Women's Month here. We're getting people from <laughs> across across our borders. So, Michelle, for those who don't know you, and at the end of this episode, they will know you and love you and become big fans of your art, I know. But tell us a little bit about your art. It's a very specific sort of um point of view that you come with? Yeah, well, I, I paint people, portraits. I have an affinity for nostalgic pop culture. So I love, you know, painting portraits of, you know, a lot of people that aren't around that have made a difference in the world and from rock stars to, you know, uh, old Hollywood, so to speak. But my 
my style is um, the big eyes that yeah. I have. And they're kind of wide and large. And, you know, if you see one of my portraits, whether at a show or somewhere, you'll most people recognize it as mine. So it's yeah. got a real distinct look. I think, in fact, our audience is going, They, if they don't know that they know you, they're about to know that they already know you. <laughs> I uh, found you from the work that Diane von Furstenberg had of yours. That's oh. how I originally did she feature some of your pieces uh, on her blog she that's how I initially when I started I was you know posting to Instagram this is 2015 and and I p- would paint my my style was the big eyes that I discovered yeah. and but the portraits were you know take me two to three hours so I do one every day post it on Instagram and back then you could tag you know celebrities or whatever and you get noticed or they sure. would do so Diane von Furstenberg uh, had seen it because I tagged her on the portrait I did of her and yeah. I was having coffee with my sister and I just about fell off my chair I was like oh my god Diane von Furstenberg is uh <laughs> is um uh commenting and saying she wants to buy the portrait and how can, can she get a hold of me blah 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 anyway at the same time W Magazine had contacted me so this is like you know, and through Instagram, and they called to hire me to do um, their It Girl luncheon wow. during Fashion Week. So we kind of tied it in. So I was in touch with Diane's assistant, and she said, "Yes, Diane wants to meet you." Blah blah blah. So I went to when I was in New York. It was like, uh, like for me, that I was just like when I hung up on the phone with Diane's assistant to W Magazine, I was like screaming, probably about what <laughs> you know. But of I was course. just. It was because it was a turning point because I wasn't sure, you know, right before I got those call, um, the call, let's say from W, I was contemplating, you know, looking for, I used to have a graphic design business and I was just basing it out. I was getting a bit bored and I thought, well, maybe if I were for an agency and doing something else in graphic design and I was walking home from, you know, just kind of contemplating life and I thought, no, I think I'm going to go go for it and do it. And I got home and I got a call from W Magazine. What and then confirmation. Wow. I know, right? So it was like, okay, yeah, this is happening, right? So it was really wonderful. And uh, yeah, so I got to meet Diane. And, and then, she, you know, she has actually two portraits that I did of her because she wanted a sketch as well that uh, I did. And it's in her fashion house, like in her offices. Uh, upstairs. Amazing. So tell us, you had kind of hinted just really quickly to your graphic design career. So take us Mm -hmm. back a little bit before we get into your present day work. You obviously had a skill. Did you know that you were artistic in any way Uh, years ago? Yeah. yeah, Like, you know, ever since, you know, kid growing up, you know, Parents going, we say, oh, we have company over, (laughs) we're going for visits, right? And I was the youngest, so my, you know, I was always tagging along with my parents. So they know I would keep happy with give me some pencil crowns or crowns or whatever and paper. And so wherever, you know, I was always one of the best artists in class growing up and all that. And I was supposed to go to an art school, an elementary school, but it was just a bit too far for my parents to figure out how to get me there and, and with work and all that. So, but university, I did go to, took fine arts program in okay. at university. And, and then I didn't, I mean, the stigma of starving artists, you know, back then, like 
I thought, oh, I don't want to be a starving artist. So I was, I had an entrepreneurial spirit. So I got a job at a gallery, art gallery in Toronto and, um, and thought, oh, I'll open my own gallery. I'll learn framing, blah, blah, blah. And then anyway, I ended up doing a number of different things from software industry marketing, but that's how I got into learning a bit about Photoshop and uh, like at the time Quark Express because um, I was mark- doing marketing for a software company based in Toronto called Alias. And it was interesting to me. So you didn't even start initially in graphic design. You started in oh, no. marketing and then through the work you were doing. Oh, was in sales and then marketing. And then back then it was like Photoshop version one. Yeah. We were, it was a software company and I was fortunate enough to work in, with a great team that Oh, they would teach, you know, the guys, the tech guys. I mean, one of the yeah. tech guys ended up working for Adobe and developing software. That's, so that small you know, company, yeah, Adobe. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's always, oh, you know, so little tidbits and you kind of self teach and then, oh, how do I do this? How do I do that? But years later, I, you know, and I moved to Vancouver a couple of times and with another software company and director of marketing. And then, and then that changed and, um, I'm just trying to think of it. What are all the things I've done? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. Um, yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. When I, the second time I moved to Vancouver on the side, I was selling, doing sales for a photography magazine and I was, you know, doing portraits and I did a yeah. woman of inspiration exhibit. And then I decided, okay, I want to move back to Vancouver. So I did that and I started because it was like starting fresh. I started getting connected with real estate agents and photographing real estate agents. Was that the first time you had picked up a camera when you were in Vancouver? No, no, no. No. It was like I started for years, even in university, I would play. They didn't have a photography course or anything, but it was just something that kind of hand me down cameras from my dad and all that. I took a course here and there, but I was doing like I was working as a photographer uh, in Toronto, but moving out West, I, I had the because I was in sales with the magazine, you know, that was my, I was making money that way more. So I didn't have to rely on the photography. And uh, anyway, I had the fortune of, or my clients in real estate, one said, do you know anybody that does branding? Because branding, and I know in California, that's where it's pretty much started to brand real estate agents. Yeah. And there was one company that kind of took that path and they were doing it in Vancouver. So I uh, basically... I said, I can, I can do it. <laughs> and so I basically created a website and called it Real Studio and Branding and Design. And then I, like within days, I had some relatively uh, kind of famous but, um, people that I photographed in Canada, women. It was yeah. women of inspiration and yeah. a few Olympians. And I asked them, hey, can I use your image just to, you know, as examples? Yeah. And back then I was designing in Photoshop. So that's how little I knew at the time because Quark was kind of, you know, not the thing to use. So anyway, I um, within a week I had a client and doing his branding and then I would market to the real estate sector. And then it got so busy, I gave up the photography and I was like one of the top branding companies in Vancouver for for a time. And I was so busy and doing really well. And then you know, the market crashed in 2008 and, and all of a sudden I had to change my old business. And then after the Olympics in Vancouver, I moved back to Toronto and, and then I was getting a bit bored because it was like, it wasn't, wasn't moving. Well, there were so many people doing branding then, and then I had to change the structure. And so I wasn't as 
excited anymore. And what do you mean when you say change the structure? Well, I let's say clients were paying on average three to four thousand dollars for designing all their, you know, from their logo, brand, uh, website, business card, and all that. And that was the average spend. And after the market crash, they were like, oh, well, we can't spend that much money on, sure. on, you know, that. So I, the average client went down to like a thousand and also competition, right? Yeah. Were there things like Squarespace and were people working? Not, um, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. Yeah. So there was like a website company that I worked with my real page and we I would design and, and, and I would have somebody do the back end and and integrate. So it was a good business, but then, you know, then everybody, Tom, Dick and Harry were, uh, were, yeah. were doing branding and then, you know, so it got very competitive and I was doing everything online cause I moved my business to Toronto and then it was nationwide. I had some, you know, from the U S but it was, mm-hmm. it, it was the time, like, you know, 2010 when I moved back, it was, that was like, okay, I can actually take it online and not have to be, because I wasn't meeting, I stopped meeting with people physically. So, and I was getting clients outside of Vancouver. From all so, over, sure. Yeah, so it seemed like I didn't tell a lot of my clients that I was moving because it was seamless, right? Yeah, it didn't really matter at that point. You were you were living kind of in COVID times back then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Everybody yeah. was, was uh, online. I went to almost three months, I went to Europe. And I, um, I worked from there and people didn't really know I was away, so it was good. And, and this whole time is still, you're still doing branding. So when you say I got bored, that this is like 2010, 2011? Well, no, probably more, um, so around 2014, I was like definitely looking for a change to do something something creative. I knew I wanted to be an artist of some sort. I was doing you know, using my photography and doing some collage uh, with resin and things like that. Then I I started just for fun draw, drawing and doodling. And then it just kind of turned into a uh, friend that's interior designer says, oh, everybody loves fashion, draw fashion. So I started drawing people and more like fashion illustration was taking off. Right. And so I, and I had somebody lined up to take over my graphic design business out west. So I would just pick a few clients that I would do their work as I was building my illustration first. So after I had the W Magazine, they would hire me for a number of events and with NARS Cosmetics and and such. So it it was great, but I found it really, it became more challenging for me to find fashion illustration opportunities and events. So I started painting on canvas and, and then I had a show up in Muskoka through a, a jewelry designer, um, a friend of mine who has a beautiful lux- luxury uh, jewelry uh, yeah. line. So it was through that, you know, tapping into the Muskoka clientele. And I mean, for fortunate, uh, a lot of my friends um, were big supporters of mine up there. And I started doing paintings with Mus- people in Muskoka settings and, and things like that. So just individuals who would hire you to do Custom, their own. Yeah, either some started with portraits and like similar to the style that I did Diane von Furstenberg. Okay. I would do some commissions like that. But then I started doing like uh, lake life, I called it lake life scenes. And people were commissioning me to do these paintings with, you know, with them and maybe in a boat or something like that. But then I right. started 
painting big faces. Yeah. Were those lake life scenes, were those sort of emblematic of the work you're doing now? Did it have the big eyes? Was it sort of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had the big eyes and yeah, consistently with the big eyes, Uh, you know, some scenes it it was maybe more landscape-ish and I had, you know, kind of put my style in there. So not everybody would have the big eyes. But then I started drawing or painting like the big Jackie Kennedy face. I was like, okay, like kind of like the Andy Warhol idea of pop culture and um, doing the big eyes on that. And then that kind of is where I went with it. And then, and then I started, you know, whether selling paintings like that or, uh, getting commissioned to paint like, uh, you know, Andy Warhol, the Beatles or, or Rolling Stones or, you know, anybody. Iconic. Yeah, iconic. Figures. And so either yeah. if, if I didn't have it already painted, you know, somebody would request it. And then I would do, you know, personal custom commissions like of families. And were these people finding you on Instagram? Yeah, yeah, basically. So Instagram's been huge for you. Oh, yeah. The start of it, it's become much more challenging. Like in the beginning. Sure. Like I said, I could really find, oh, they know so-and-so and and they know so-and-so. And And then I would, you know, in New York, I had more connections in New York than Toronto or anywhere. But but then it became more challenging because, you know, as you know, you can tag anybody. So I don't even tag, you know, I wouldn't bother tagging anybody uh, these days. But it's through you know, now I just advertise and I've built my following and, and all that. So that's Instagram is still a major, uh, major piece of marketing tool for me. That's how I know you. I mean, that's really, that's how I've kept up too with the work that you're doing. So are people finding you on Instagram and then going to the website to transact for the actual sale? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think they can buy through Instagram or, you know, message me and if it's custom commission, I, you know, I, I, I quote them or if they want to buy an original painting, you know, so then I don't have my prices of original artwork on my site, but just for limited edition prints, they can buy uh, for my website. If you're talking to an artist that's in your same position, wants to transition perhaps from whatever she was doing before, and you give her the advice to kind of do something every day and Mm -hmm. post it on Instagram, she's not going to have the same success that you had given the time that you entered Instagram any clues for her or anything that you would recommend that she do yeah what I learned and I've learned this from other artists because they've shared you know their success as well but advertising boosting a post Mm. and um, you know going through that really helped me grow my following because you can't I don't think it's possible with possible okay. organically yeah right so that's super helpful stills instagram it's just you got to put some money behind it okay yeah and i was putting a lot more money behind it in like last i started last year advertising a lot and then i did get hacked Ooh. in september and i made a s- s- silly ridiculous mistake of thinking i was talking instagram was direct messaging me and I kind of checked it out and it wasn't, but they, they held my account hostage, but I managed to get it back after a month. Instagram wasn't that much help because I had to tell them, well, can you send me a recovery code <laughs> And after a month? Oh, okay. Like they were just, it was so difficult. So you were down a whole month without yeah. your platform? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. You know, and that's when I thought, wow, putting, like I was putting a lot of money into advertising and they weren't that helpful at all. 
And I really had to figure out because they told me after a month, it was like, we were, I thought we were close. And uh, they said, no, we can't get it back. Sorry. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And it was through the Facebook business team. And the guy that I was working with was very nice and trying to be helpful, but he sure, had to, sure. he was the in between. But they, yeah. they, they didn't care. It's like, I put like, like a lot of investment, money wise, time, years. And so I thought that doesn't work for me. That's not okay. Yeah, that's not. That's not okay. Yeah. What did that teach you about sort of diversifying, like yeah, where exactly. you're showing up? So now I have an agent in LA and he has been great. So he's an agent to, you know, get to find me opportunities, collabs and things like that. But what I also recently hired him to do is to advertise um, on different platforms to get mm. more traffic to my website and a bit on Instagram. I'm still boosting a post on Instagram, one that I know works and, and it, get, it builds my following, but I don't put as much money as I was and it's still, it works fine. And so I'm putting more of my money into a uh, real marketing strategy with my agent that's creating a content and everything for it. So do you mind sharing what some of those other platforms are? Um, he is looking at, or he's doing YouTube. Okay. YouTube. He's talked about Twitch, TikTok. I am now I'm not on Twitch or TikTok. I didn't even, and when he said TikTok, I'm like, that's like yeah. kids. <laughs> what am I going to do there? <laughs> no, you got it. It's it's good. It's Yeah, you've got to. I know. I know. I keep hearing the same so thing. I got to create an account because I deleted my account um, last year when I saw a 60 minutes of <laughs> TikTok. So, so anyway, so I got to get on TikTok. But there's only so much. I mean, I, I'm posting on Instagram and I find that time consuming, right? So I'm not sure. as good at keeping up on my Instagram. I don't post as much as I used to. Like I was diligent every day, you know, same time. But now I'm uh, a little more um, strategic. Like I have, I'm on a, a TV program uh, tonight. Uh, so I was promoting that. But I, you know, I, I'll promote what I'm working on and things like that, or not promote, but post. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But it's definitely still the, the, I think the best platform, but it's, I think through the ads is the, the best way I would recommend for anybody to go just doing the picking the most common, you know, test a few different posts out to boost and then see what the results are. Yeah. So recommending sort of if something is organically doing well, maybe consider posting that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, pick that's, your top posts yeah. and do three and then look at, okay, which one out of those three are getting the most, not just likes, but the most views and, th and things like that. I had a guy that kind of put it in a spreadsheet for me. I don't do it anymore because I, I just use the one that it just doesn't fail. You boost it the same one over and over. Yeah, yeah. Now I just wow. keep it going. Yeah, because I've tried to even recently change it up a bit. I'm like, mm, still doesn't, you know, I don't see the numbers going up as much. So yeah, I don't pay that close attention to the statistics, but, um, but I can just see the, this post I keep boosting is doing the job I want it to. So that's, I yeah. feel like you're giving us an Instagram lesson. Thank you. Yeah. That's why I was digging a little deeper because I think yeah. a lot of people and, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and say, the women that we're talking to, this mm -hmm. midlifer who is sort of 
trying to figure out what's next. And we're hoping she's listening so that she can hear your story and the story of so many other women who have said, there's more here for me to do. I I perhaps am bored and want to try something else. And she is, you know, staying away from social media, not because she knows it's not a tool, but because she doesn't necessarily know how to use it. So part of my digging in is to give her that education. I'm going to ask you one more kind of personal question on the Instagram side, but you can give it to me in percentages. How much should we be spending when we're boosting something? Are we spending $50 or are we spending $1,000? I mean, and I'm talking Canadian dollars because then that was half the US. (laughs) We'll we'll do that right now. uh, Yeah, yeah, it's a lot less right now from what I see. Yeah. So at first, like my ad guy that I was using, he was just kind of teaching me because he he was changing his business. And so he was kind of just set me up and say, go, this is how you do it. It was, let's say Canadian dollars. It could have been close to 5,000 a month. So I was really going out. But now I get maybe not as good. Let's say I was getting a hundred new followers a day. Now I'm mm-hmm. getting a hundred new followers maybe every two days by okay. spending a thousand a month. Okay. But still, I mean, it's it's the price of doing business. And yeah. one thing I say to people when we talk about ad dollars with regard to social media is I talk about for all the things you're saving money on, we're working from our homes, we mm-hmm. don't have to spend gas to meet with people. Yeah. We do, there's all these things that, it's not that that money's not being spent elsewhere. It's that we are now somewhat forced to look at how do we break through the noise if we can't do those things of meeting in person. And I'm not talking about COVID. I'm just talking mm-hmm. about the way the world works now. Oh, yeah. And so that $1,000 is still a bargain when you consider all oh, those other gosh, things yeah. that you're not spending money on. Yeah, because when I do art fairs or art shows, like, you know, I did Miami one year and i mean it was the hotel the cost of getting down there the cost of getting in the yeah, show ten twenty thousand dollars like it yeah. was crazy and i did i make it back no it was made a bit back but still and the work the work involved in ten so right now i i'm too booked up with commissions that i get online and i'm starting to sell paintings online people that find me on instagram so i'm like because i have to paint. Yeah. I'm doing commissions that I booked last October and just trying to, you know, get, get onto the, cause I have some big commissions coming out, like big, big size paintings that I'm, I'm doing. Yeah. So sometimes I think, wow, all the time, like even an art fair, like I, I was signed up for art expo, New York, um, or New York art expo, which I haven't tried before, but I had put the deposit down and just before COVID hit, and it was for May 2020, and it was canceled. So, you know, I have the option to do it again. And so it was could have been this spring. And yeah. then they said, Oh, you can you can actually book 2023. I'm like, Okay, I'll book 2023. I don't even know if I'll do it. Because it's like, Okay, yeah. is it worth it? Right? All the time. Yeah. The other thing I've done, and of course, before COVID was pop ups in neighborhoods, also makes a difference. So I would do a 10-day pop-up in, let's say, in Toronto, in Yorkville. Did fabulous. I I did better there when I do my own thing or anywhere than, let's say, an art fair. 
Well, it's not the same competition, right? No. I mean, there's not, they're there to see you. Yeah. And it's not more expensive. Yeah. It was less expensive. Interesting. And then I have my PR company to promote it and have an opening and and it's more your own and, and you can, you know, get behind it. Like, you know, back then I had, I got into oh, uh, clothing and t-shirts. This one's just a sample t-shirt. I was going to say, I've seen you have like a button down piece that I've seen you wear. Yeah, that was a clothing line with, with a, a company in Toronto and they had some great styles. I loved it. It was like a scuba fabric. Like neoprene. Yeah, it was yeah. great. And the jackets were popular. And I was on the uh, shopping channel in, in Toronto, like with Jeannie Becker oh, wow. on Jeannie Becker's show. And she has, you know, a portrait that I've done of her. And, uh, but anyway, I didn't move further with the shopping channel, but uh, for a time, the clothing I was doing and t-shirts, but then in pop-ups, right. It was uh, great uh, extra revenue people could take away. But right now I focus on um, my limited edition prints and original paintings and commissions. That's my main thing. Okay, let's go back a little bit. So you decide you're getting bored. You decide that you're going to do a piece of art a day, post it on Instagram. We know that Instagram served you really well. How long were you not selling anything? How long were you just committed to this? Oh, And this all happened right around 50 years old? Yeah, yeah, I was 50. So 2015... Let's say I started sketching. I was doing like before I started doing the faces. Um, so when I started doing the faces, I hadn't found my style yet. I was still posting, doing these quick painting, loose yeah. sketches, I would say, or illustrations of faces of fashion, sometimes magazine covers or, or just models and things like that. And then I would put all the, I have a, a picture too with all the drawings in front of me and that I posted every day. And then I would look to see what. You know, if I could find something. And then one day I was looking at them all and then I started seeing a few that the eyes were bigger than the face, like they were wider. Yeah. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, okay, that I got it. So it. then I focused on that and finessed it. So that was probably I think within a month that I I got the W magazine and Diane von Furstenberg. So that propelled me. Well, and it's interesting if we go back to your history in branding and marketing that you understood sort of instinctively that you were looking for something that was your particular point of view. What is my brand going to be? So yeah. when you saw those eyes, that's what you're talking about. It was like, that's what I, that's what I want to get behind. Yeah, my signature style. I was following a um, number of fashion illustrators online that were you know, they, their careers, you know, propelled like quickly and moving to New York yeah. or artists. So I've seen their style. So I was influenced, but I didn't want to, I like, I would never copy, but I, sure. I would see, okay, their styles and, and how am I going to, you know, so I was really looking for my authentic style because you can't, it's not authentic to you. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you see artists, you know, there's coffee cats, fine, but it's, for me, I, yeah, it had to be authentic to me. Well, you can't keep it up. If no, it's not coming no. from you, you can't keep it up because then you're always looking for the person that you have to copy, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it, it's a limited resource yeah. if it's not truly coming from within. And I would say that applies beyond art, like yeah. with anything that we're talking about. If you're pretending, people will see through it. And, you know, so I think sure. that really helps as well. Sure. 
Okay, so you're posting these pieces every day. You're you've identified the big eyes. That's the thing. That's mm-hmm. the signature of Michelle. And you commit to like I'm just going to keep going doing this every day. And you had earlier in the conversation said you were walking home at one point and saying, does this make any sense? How much time between when you started that and when you got that? So when I walked home, I literally walked in the house and I got the call from W. So it was that profound that I was like, holy, you know, it was. Yeah, you can say it. You can say holy (laughs) shit. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, and then within weeks because then when I was talking to the director every day because um, we were planning okay you know paper and with the W on sure. it and and then they asked me to paint portraits of their editors and that included Edward NFL who's who's the editor-in-chief at Vogue UK so um, I got to meet him and he was lovely and so with W Magazine that was one thing in a big event and then I had Diane von Furstenberg. But you had been doing the daily posts for a year? Oh, oh no, no. Or? Maybe um, a month or two? Oh. Yeah. Or oh, maybe a it. few months. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was incredibly fast. Plus, I was I was kind of doing my little networking on Instagram and, and through the New York. <laughs> sure. You know, you follow one person, then an artist, and then, oh, who's following them? And Anyway, and then Kara Ross, who had a a jewelry um, line at the time, and she was uh, like Donald Robertson was an artist who happened to be Canadian, Mm -hmm. but in New York, and he was yeah, yeah. yeah. And so it was through him that I was uh, finding this network of uh, in the New York fashion world, and and Kara Ross, he did a collab with. So Kara liked my stuff and followed me and then we did a collab for like you know with her jewelry and then she had a a foundation she started and so I um, did some behind that yeah and she was at Art Miami and had a booth so she asked me to do some big portraits to integrate with the jewelry but it was also for this launch of her her foundation so that and that got eyes like (laughs) people would recognize and recognize my work and send me pictures yeah, so things like that helped. Um, also, you know, when I got Diane von Furstenberg, you know, that's when friends were like, oh, well, yeah, can you do, can you paint my portrait? So I would get commissioned and I started getting commissions. And then, so that was September 2015. And then by May, June 2016, I was doing the Muskoka, like I started painting on canvases. I mean, I had a few okay. shows, little shows in between. And then I did Artist Project, which is an art art fair in Toronto that uh, the year later, like, you know, in September 2016. I mean, Instagram was propelling me, but then I started painting and doing art fairs and then my own pop-ups. It was helpful as well. if you're if somebody's listening and they're trying to sort of take away of how much of this should be art show, how much of this should be pop up, how much of this should be boosting on Instagram by percentage. What do yeah, you think like I mean, I think starting out, if you can do an art fair, a good one, whether locally, I mean, you know, to get yeah. your name out there, to get you know some you know sales in, um, it's a good way yeah. to go. It also helps your following. So I think it's a good way to to get your base in for sure. And if you can 
manage a pop-up or collective or something, that's, you know, a good option too. And at the same time, I would highly recommend the boosting on Instagram. Okay, that's And helpful. doing that, yeah, because... You know, I I didn't start until last year, and I was like, oh, I should have done this because so, I would do it randomly now and then. But I'm like, why did I? I mean, it was right, and I could see the I could see the my numbers. stats, but I didn't. I don't. It just didn't register for me. And yeah. then I saw this other artist in Toronto, and she, Erin uh, Rothstein, and she was doing fabulous. And we have the same printer, and I was like. She's doing like I'd say. What is she doing? So what is she at, doing that I'm not doing? Really, she but. was fantastic. She would share on her Instagram yeah. her process and what she was doing, and I'm like, okay, so so that really uh, you know helps me build my strategy around boosting advertising yeah. on 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 Instagram. One of the takeaways I'm I'm getting, and I'm sure our audience is getting too, is just consistency. Consistency. I mean, mm-hmm. once you found your signature. Once you found the eyes, it was, I'm going to show up daily in Mm -hmm. terms of you did the work and you were posting daily. Yeah. And then eventually consistency in your marketing strategy. In this case, it was uh, Instagram. You continued to do pop-ups. You continued Mm -hmm. to show up. And then also the sort of, you know, you talked about utilizing the posts that we're doing well and doing those over and over. And it's funny, I think we naturally think, or maybe it's just me, that the audience just wants something new every single day. But what we're learning is the audience actually wants to be reinforced by like who we are and what we have to offer them. Mm -hmm. And the eyes, I think that's something that's kind of teaching us that lesson. And, you know, there's a another artist that we've interviewed, Rachel Brown, and she does animals, watercolor animals. It was right. kind of her signature thing. And it's the same thing for years and years and years. She's been doing these animals. And I'm like, is nobody tiring of the water buffalo or the, you know, the whatever? Yeah. And they're not. They yeah. they want that consistency. They want to know that she's going to do that work. Is are you finding that to be the yeah, case? Yeah, absolutely. I um, you know, one of my because like, during COVID, I tried, I thought, well, I'm going to have fun with this and try something different. So I did like yeah. a craft dinner box. I did a uh, Monopoly game box. I, you know, I did a, a, a few, a lifesaver and things like that. But it doesn't, people, I mean, I, I you know, I sold some and prints and, and things like that, sure. but nothing like if another artist, because uh, they were kind of realistic looking, I said, if another artist that did that stuff, post it, I probably they would probably sell it, like no problem. Yeah, but from Michelle, they want the eyes. And then I, I even thought, oh, I'm going for because when I paint those, I started getting a little more, little more realistic, and I started making big eyes, but not wide. And I did a few of those, and then all the custom commissions. No, no, I want the big eye. I want the wide, bigger, bigger, bigger. I was like, oh, okay. So then I went back and it kind of was natural for me to just, okay. So I experimented a little bit thinking I'll get more realistic. And then I was like, no, no, we like the, that's what they want. I mean, it's a, that's a lesson across all industries. I think if you're a writer, it's a lesson. I think if you're a singer, if you're, if you have a business, the way you're branding that business, I mean, I think it's teaching us a lot. Totally. And, and the other thing, you know, my main thing about, kind of why I do this and why what brings me the joy of it is um not only the you know I love painting and and the the whole creative process and all that and the nostalgic for me like that's why I I love 
entertaining, nostalgic characters, you know, the, the movies and, and, you know, music oh, yeah. and all that. But it's because it makes you happy, right? And and every time people uh, have a show and uh, everybody that walks by, they if they look at it, they'll like, they'll smile. And it's just like, oh, and they'll, you know, and I had a big thing, art that makes you smile. And uh, they would be not even reading that. And it's like, oh, your work makes me smile. I said, yeah, that's oh. <laughs> like, You're like, it, I know. That's what, yeah. And that's what, you know, whether it's the look of it, uh, it's fun. It's lighthearted. Well, those characters mean something to us. You know, like when I see the Audrey Hepburn one, that means something to me. It means something to my mm. husband. It means something to my 18-year-old daughter. Like there's some, we connect with it in some way when we see Elton John or Prince. Totally. Or all these people that you've done. Oh, it's yeah. like they, they hold some meaning for us. So we want your interpretation yeah, of that. Yeah, it's just like when you hear a song. I mean, a song probably lingers, you know, brings up a memory of, you know, a high school sure. dance or something like that. Sure. And, and you know, the rock stars, I mean, Audrey's one of the most popular, but um, like Elton John is like the, and he's still alive today. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but yeah. the nostalgic memories of, you know, whether you've seen Elton John in concert or you're thinking about, oh, when you heard, um, you know, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road or whatever, yeah. like it's always the memories that it, it, it keeps or, you know, if somebody has a real affinity, I'm painting Belinda Carlisle for someone and cause his husband just loves the go-go's and all that. And I thought, yeah. Oh, I saw the go-go's back. In Have the day. you seen that? There's a recent segment that Drew Barrymore did on Jimmy Fallon when she, she inducted them into the hall of fame. Right. And yes. She, yes. You have yes. to find that segment yes. and share it with your friend or post it on social and then show your interpretation because I mean, she was talking about how like they changed her life. So that's mm -hmm. what we're talking yeah, about. These iconic yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. Because for like, you know, in this client, it's like, yeah, we, it's gone to see every Gogo's concert possible, like more than he can even count. like everything, you know. So there's, you know, I'm painting another Beatles, like a big Beatles painting for uh, clients in Florida, and there he saw the Beatles when he was 11. And I was like, oh, you oh saw them? I know, right? How did those people find you? On were they at Art Basel or were they at Art no, Basel? No, they because um, I get a lot. Of, I have a lot of clients, but through so a lot of Canadians go down to okay. Florida, but I the had, shows. I had okay. investors and collectors that were at a house and it was just through, let's Got say their it. architect who commissioned me to do a big painting. And then he does these beautiful modern contemporary homes. homes. And then it was one yeah. of his clients that saw. Which is probably a good strategy for you and any artist that does large scale work is to connect with, I mean, any, yes. any artist really can connect yeah. with designers, um, that are looking for pieces. Exactly. Yeah. But a lot of times I end up the designer, it's through the clients that have a designer that then the designer is like, Oh yeah. You know, so it, it I mean, all depends. Nice. It come from many, you know, sure. but um, sure. it's always nice to, uh, to get, you know, the referral, right. Referrals yeah. are fabulous. What, what do you think it was it about 50 turning 50 or entering that time in life that gave you the freedom to say, you know what, this is actually what I want to do. I'm not going to be afraid of that starving artist, or I've done so many other yeah. things that I can sort of, I can rely on myself and the strengths that I bring to this. What what was it that well, triggered the time is now? Um, I think it was 
a mix of timing. Like when I started my graphic design business, I was 40, right? So I, I, and it wasn't, and then I didn't really think twice, you know, but I was like, yeah. wow, you know, you know, I'm starting a whole new business at 40, right? But yeah, it wasn't, oh, I'm turning 50. I got it. But it was the, the timing of just needing a transition, something different, mm-hmm. a more creative. And also being inspired, like before I started, like maybe early 2014, I was doing, um, there's a, a website that teaches classes, artists. Oh, wait, uh, what is it? Oh, sorry. I'll have to give it to you after. Oh, it's okay. But it's if you think of it, creative, yeah, we'll post it. It's like uh, a place where you can go and get creative live. I think it's creative live. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can learn. And so there was this artist uh, and she has artists who thrive and, and you can work with her directly, but she also did um, a creative live uh, edition. So I watched that and, and her whole theory is to not to debunk the starving artist theory whatsoever. Yeah. So I I learned from that. I did do some Instagram courses early on too. Like I, yeah. I kind of forget it's so long ago. But I did learn even before I was painting, like it was, I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew it was going to be something creative. And I was taking these courses on creative live to, to learn Instagram, to learn. Yeah. So I didn't know what it was going to be yet, but I knew I wanted yeah. to do something. So I was really, it was um, an honest, like effort to figure it out. What is it going to be? And to ask yourself sort of, what am I curious about? Let me just, let me start to learn what I can. And then the next thing will reveal itself. Yeah. So every little step. What would you say that launching this art career has taught you about yourself? Anything's possible, really. And I always knew, I kind of always thought that way. But the one thing, the, the best thing and nicest surprise is that you don't, I always say this, I, you never know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. Because yeah. that time when I walked home, I got the biggest surprise of my life and it changed yeah. my career, right? Uh, it just was like getting that call from W Magazine moments after thinking, I'm going to pursue this full time. I got to do it. I, I thought I got to do it. And so many times, even now, it's like, you never know what's going to happen. Like all of a sudden, it's like I get a, a huge a commission or something or you call and getting, you know, interviewed on your podcast. So it's, you just, all these little, and I say it in the the most positive way. No, no, I I hear you. Anything can happen in in the next five minutes, minute or whatever that could change your life or the trajectory um, of your, of your career. Yeah. But you did the work. What I, I want people to hear that, yes, I mean, I love oh, yeah. that. And I and that gives us so oh, much yeah, hope. Yeah. I can't wait for the next five minutes no, of my yeah. own life. But that you were you were showing up, you were making the connections, you were yeah. committed, even even though it was a month, you were committed to doing this day after day. You had taken the classes and the courses in advance of this. So you were doing the work. Yeah, and setting uh, it out. But yeah. there was there was in the first year, I mean, I would have, you know, my income would go up and then down. It was like a roller yeah. coaster. And, you know, there was some stressful months there. It's like, oh, my God, I got to pay rent or whatever. Yeah. But I always, you know, I've always been quite independent or very independent. And instead of dwelling in what I didn't have and, oh, my God, and stressing about, oh, I can't. It's like, OK, what my my mind goes to, OK, what can I do to make some money? 
So then it's like, yeah. oh, can I do a show or can I, oh, maybe I can, cl-. so then I collaborated with, you know, a friend that's doing a pop-up in Muskoka or, you know what I mean? That's the entrepreneur in you. I mean, you said it early on that you were always entrepreneurial. Yeah, and, don't so. never, and that's the, another big thing is don't stress or don't think about or worry about the the negative or what's, you know, or being, let's say, broke or whatever. Just instead, take that energy and put it into, okay, how am I going to yeah. get the next sale or how, what yeah. can I do? How do I solve? It's a problem. Yeah, and yeah. How do I solve yeah, how, it versus dwelling? Yeah, in it. exactly. Yeah. So that, and that, yeah. that's a game changer, right? When you can do that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And, and you've wrapped up very nicely <laughs> this uh, segment. And I just, before we let you go, I have this, these fast five questions, we call them. So okay. whatever comes to mind, they're sort of fun. What's a favorite hack or book or practice, anything that you feel like as you've sort of entered this season of your life, this stage of uh, midlife that you have really come to rely on? And maybe you want to pass it along to us. Oh, uh, um, I I almost kind of said it uh, just right before about, you know, uh, just when you have like solving a problem instead of getting down about oh what you don't have think about okay how can I create an opportunity you know for yourself and and yeah because anything I mean anything's possible and it's all about having confidence in yourself too yeah this is a lighter question what's your favorite ice cream flavor oh well I'm not a big ice cream person but I'd probably say something boring like chocolate <laughs> okay, no chocolate. I don't know. Chocolate's a good one, especially talk about midlife. I've come to crave chocolate now more than ever. <laughs> and then, what have you enjoyed most about this stage of life? Um, I'm happy. Like I'm really happy. Yeah, yeah. like I'm comfortable. I, I, you know, you don't have to. Like you know, I know it's cliche. Don't sweat the small stuff. But it's like, yeah, I don't. Like I'm comfortable yeah. with who I am like really comfortable with who I am and and I'm really happy. Yeah. I I mean what a what a wonderful thing to look forward to. To to say I'm comfortable in my own skin and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Like we should we should all we should all want that. <laughs> and when I hear people wishing off this stage of life or wanting something else, I think these are like the, like these wonderful glorious moments where we've come into ourselves in a new way like don't we can't wish this away? We we want to stay. Oh, totally, in this. We yeah. Steeped in this, yeah. And I, um, I love that. Yeah, because and I don't get hung up on age or you know, I, like my sister's. Like, oh my god, I would die to tell people I was fifty when I was fifty. I was like, <laughs> like, I'm fifty. I'm fifty-seven no. now. And my mother keeps yeah getting. She's like, you're fifty. She she still thinks I'm fifty-two. Um, but anyway, but that's okay. Yeah, we get stuck on certain um, years. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like I don't get caught up on. It's like. Hey, you know, it's like, I'm like, I'm proud of that or, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. If you were able to mentor your younger self, what would you say to her? I would have said, Oh, you should become an artist. (laughs) Should have done it. You can do this. You can start this sooner. Yeah. Sooner. Um, uh, invent uh, Instagram. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I love it. No, I think that's great. I mean, start the thing you love sooner. And I would have gotten on uh, Instagram sooner too, because um, I think I see other artists that got on early that had a real edge. You know, even yeah. though I was quite early, but not 
there was uh, just about a year before. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, I, I don't know if I would change much, you know, um, cause I'm, yeah, I think a lot of the things I've done previously have got me brought you to this point, you know, what I've learned and, uh, you know, Hey, I've had, I've made some major mistakes even since being an artist, like hiring, you know, the wrong people or, you know, or something that's turned out, but, but it's like, Oh, you gotta let it go. It's like, you know, and, and, and that's the other thing, like learning, uh, to let go of mistakes and just learn from them, right? And move on, yeah. right? But not... They are lessons, to be sure. Yeah. And then what would you say that starting your own venture, again, launching as an artist, um, how has that liberated you? I mean, I never felt held back as a woman or anything, but it's it's um, a great time to be, I think, a female artist, an artist, mm. Of any kind, but it's a really great time to be an artist. And I don't know, it's like, I'll be doing that. I like, I'm not retiring. This is really, this is it. This is it. Yeah. This is uh, my, my retirement, so to speak. Right. But it's, uh, I yeah. just enjoy it so much. I mean, I've always, I've worked for myself for so long now, but it, so that part is always liberating, but to be yeah. able to make a living, a, something you love and make a good living at it, is I think quite liberating and not to, you know, I don't have to worry too much about the, you know, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's a really good feeling and to, to be able to do Uh, this and and be yourself and, and have a good time with it. Absolutely. Thank you, Michelle, for sharing your story, for teaching us an Instagram lesson, (laughs) um, for encouraging us to to get started no matter where we are uh, in life. And I think really to not sweat the small stuff. Mm -hmm. I appreciate so much all that you've shared with us today. And I know our listeners do too. Well, thanks, Netta. It's been a real pleasure. I really enjoyed this oh, chat. Absolutely. And good luck with the whatever you're doing on TV today. I'm oh, so yeah. intrigued. Thanks. Well, I posted it on my <laughs> Instagram. And- okay, we'll all have to go there and, and check it out. Don't tell us anymore. That's a teaser. Yes, now we're yeah. forced to go to your Instagram. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Liberty listeners, thank you so much for hanging out with Michelle and I today. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flower.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.